This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hey, welcome into another edition of At The Turn. Nick and I are very excited about the episode today. We're bringing back an old bit, Nicholas. Mm, this is this is going to be good. It's perfect. I don't know about you. I guess golf probably never went away in Oregon. But golf just came back in Massachusetts last week. And uh, I'm playing, Joe. Okay, well, we're going to get to that in a second. What we're alluding to is Would You Rather is coming back. So we're going to do a big session of Would You Rather but we're going to table that for now. And it's Nick, you, it's interesting you talk about playing golf because you're correct. Golf never stopped in Oregon despite the pandemic. It was one of the few things people were still allowed to do. I, for the past seven weeks, have chose not to play golf. And I got out for the first time yesterday. Mm. So are you back on the golf course, first of all? I've got, I, I am. So I, so I've played a couple nine hole rounds and, um, I actually got a, a season membership at this nine hole course in my town. So I'm just going to try to play like, you know, evenings after work, just get in a quick nine. Both times it took me an hour and a half. Nobody else in the course. Both times I left, literally I was the only car in the parking lot. Wow. Okay. So, so, I'm so it's the extreme social distancing. <laughs> yeah. Is the course, are they taking uh, certain precautions with what's going on out there as far as ball washers, rakes, don't touch the flags, that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, no touching the flags. They got the pool noodles in the cups. There's no golf carts, no ball washers, no trash cans, no rakes. There's no touch points, which is all, it's all state mandated. Um, but yeah, no, no being within six feet of each other. Um, you know, you don't, you don't use a tee that's sitting on the tee box. You use your own tees, all, all that stuff. But like I said... I've been the only person on the course, so it really hasn't hasn't made a difference. So Yeah, well, things are different in Oregon, Nick. People are playing golf, and they're coming out in droves. So if you'll bear with me for a second, I'm going yeah. to relay what happened to me yesterday on the golf course. So we went out to Stone Creek Golf Club, beautiful golf course just outside of Portland. And the reason I was inspired to get back out and play is they sent a lengthy email about all the lengths they're taking to protect golfers in the golf course. So I thought, great, this is a course I loved growing up. It was my course, my senior year of high school, our home course. So I thought, this is what a great way to get back into it. So I called up my buddies, typical threesome. We get out to the first tee, and I'm thinking, well, this is going to be fantastic. There's a lot of people, but all kinds of precautions. Wiping down all the carts on the practice green. Were you, were no, you in a cart? Carts available, at least? Carts were available. I chose not to take one. I, you know, it's just one more thing I don't have to touch. Exactly. So... Again, you're paying online, the range is open, but you're spaced out, no holes in the practice screen, and they're doing the typical stuff, you know, no rakes, no touching flag sticks. They have, and I'm curious if the if your course has this, Nick, Nick, do they have an inverted cup or anything at the bottom of the cup to not let the they, ball drop all the way down? Yeah, they had the pool noodle with the cup. So the, the, the ball, you can see when it goes in, but it doesn't go more than a, a half inch into the cup. I had a tough time visualizing the pool noodle, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, of course. So they didn't yeah, actually it's, stick it's perfect. Yep. a fun noodle in the hole. It's like a piece of foam. That they like sliced. Like, imagine you're slicing deli meat, right? You take a slice of that pool noodle, yeah. you put wrap it around the flag stick so the ball stays out of the hole a little bit. Don't have to touch the flag stick, is the basic idea behind it. Exactly. So I'm all fired up, Nick. I love this course. You usually hit the ball pretty well there. And sure enough, on the first tee, the starter paired someone with us, which 
I was a little bit kind of like, eh, that's kind of weird, especially you guys are taking all the precautions. Let's introduce a complete stranger into the group yeah, and have fun with that. That turned out to be okay. It was a 14-year-old kid, fabulous golf swing. He social distanced the whole time, was never an issue. He was wonderful. So we get out into the golf course. We're at the fourth tee, and the single who came out of absolutely nowhere is on our tail. And while I say absolutely nowhere, course was stacked foursomes every single hole people are waiting couldn't believe there was a single out there so what he told my buddy as i was teeing off on four was that there was a threesome behind us and they had a fourth guy just decided to show up on their group and they let him tee off with the foursome and the single they sent out by himself so we're talking foursomes the whole day and then a single golfer that's behind us so in the fourth tee he's like hey can i just join you guys and immediately, my thought is, hell no. I've got a one stranger here. I don't want a second. And it's not this guy's fault. They've put him in a terrible position yeah. where he has to either be by himself or join a foursome. Wait, so so let me let me just confirm. You said there was a threesome and then him? Or they put him out between two foursomes? So there was a threesome behind us originally. Uh -huh. But a fourth person that was part of their group decided to show up. So now there's oh. five people on the tee box. Uh, okay. So he was... Supposed to be paired up with this threesome, but then their brother-in-law showed up and was like, no, I'm with these guys, and, and they can't. Okay, I get yeah. you. And the starter I... didn't say, sorry, brother-in-law, uh, you're not down on the sheet, so I'm not going to let you play golf, which in my opinion is what they should have done. Exactly but what he should have done. What happened was I'm playing in a fivesome for five holes, and I'm <laughs> ripping mad the whole time. I was, I, and I, was, I wasn't mad at the guy. I was mad at the golf course in the situation. Fortunately, he only played five holes, so it wasn't that big of a problem, but – I mean, I don't know, Nick. Do you think I'm overreacting? It, it was a sort of situation where if he played the entire 18 with us, I was going to go and speak to someone and be like, I paid 50 bucks to be out here. Um, you guys are advertising as a very safe golf course, and you put two strangers with my group. Tell me how that's safe. Well, no, you're not overreacting. They, they, it's fine to put the 14 up with you. The foursome, I have no problem with. On the first tee, all good. You should never let – put just – let a single loose on a jammed golf course on the weekend in any situation, because that's exactly what's going to happen, but especially not in this social distancing. My, my question, how far apart were the tee times? Because that's a big regulation in New England is that all the tee times have to be 15 minutes apart. And I think that's the number one rule that courses are most likely to break is just jam them out there because everybody has this pent up golf energy. They can't wait to get out. And they're like, we can never meet this demand with 15 minute tee times. If we do 12 or 10, we can, you know, increase our profits by 30%. Well, I'm a little more cynical than that. And the last thing you said, I think is exactly what it is because even though golf courses have been, I think pretty sustained out in the Northwest compared to new England to answer your original question, they're stacking the tee times nine minutes apart. And yeah. the only reason they're doing that is because they're afraid that at some point, perhaps if there's a second wave that they'll shut down courses and they have to maximize revenue. Yeah. I don't know of any course out here, frankly, that's spacing tee times 15 minutes apart. And it's very strange because Oregon, by and large, has a ton of restrictions in place for COVID. For the West Coast, you know, California and Washington, tons more cases than Oregon does. Yet, when it comes to the thing that we said is okay, we're being a little cavalier about how we're behaving out there. And I agree. I had no problem with the 14-year-old kid. As a matter of fact, he was a lot of fun. He shot 83. So we had a good time with young Isaac out there. But... <laughs> It's just going to be interesting to see if regulations loosen, if they get more strict, because contact tracing, I don't want to get too much into it, but contact tracing is going to be a part of this in the not-too-distant future, right, where they had the information of everyone on the golf course, and that way if someone tests positive who was on the golf course, then everyone has to get tested, yada, yada, yada. You're trying yeah. to trace where the COVID is. But by and large, I thought it was a good experience. The course did a good job. The one thing that I want to ask you about to see if your course had them. I did not. No bathrooms. All the bathrooms were shut down at the golf course. So I think that is in, out here. I believe that is a state, a state mandate in Massachusetts sure. is the bathrooms must be closed. But I think there's a little bit of a loophole. So I think it's the facility, like the pro Bushes. shops are all closed down. So the pro shop bathrooms, everything that's in the locker rooms needs to be shut down. But if you have bathrooms out on like the seventh hole or the halfway house, wherever out on the golf course, I think, whether this is an oversight or, or intentional, I think those can be open. 
Interesting, because all of the porta potties and like the bathroom facilities on the golf course itself were shut down, and it's kind of strange because, you know, I can pee in a bush, but there was a gal in front of us in the foursome, and I'm like, if she's got to pee, that puts her in a pretty tough spot. Like, where is she yeah. supposed? There's nowhere well, to go on the golf course. It's a pretty isolated place. Like, I don't, I don't know what she's supposed to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting because in Massachusetts, the lieutenant governor is a woman and I, and she's a golfer. And I think she was, you know, kind of a proponent of getting golf back going again. I think Mass was the last state to get golf back going, the, the 49th or 50th. And um, I, I don't think it'll be too long before someone brings that to her attention that, that what are you supposed to do out on the golf course for five hours, no bathrooms? Yeah, it's not a good look. But I guess so. overall, I'm happy to be golfing again. I slept. <laughs> it's the best I slept in weeks last night, Nick. I mean, <laughs> being out there for four and a half hours in the sun was more exposure than I've had to the outdoors probably in the combined amount of time since quarantine started. So I was excited to get out there. I felt like I was as safe as I possibly could be. And it sounds like you're kind of in the same boat. You got a course where you feel I wore two safe. gloves. I mean, I actually, um, it was kind of rainy or, or cloudy, at least the threat of rain, both, both times I played nine. And I have those like, uh, those rain wet, whatever gloves. So mm -hmm. I just was like, this is perfect. I'll just wear two gloves and, uh, you know, whatever. It's just one more, one more layer of protection. Yeah, for sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of how golf continues to progress because you got to imagine these sort of precautions are going to be taken for quite a while on public golf courses. Definitely. And I think it's going to be a while before competitive golf is, you know, at the amateur level and, you know, outside of like the PGA Tour professional ranks. But I mean, how can you hold a state open when you can't hole out? You know what I mean? You, you yeah. can't can't have tournaments with purses with meaningful, you know, results. You can have outings. Sure, you can have your charity, you know, scramble. That's no problem. But you can't, you know, have significant money on the line when you've when you've got raised cups and you're just saying anything within five feet is automatically good. And, you know. Oh, if you're in a footprint in a bunker, just kind of use your best judgment. So I wonder, uh, I wonder if they decide to limit field size instead well, of canceling things or making any sort of inverted cups or anything like that. Like, yeah, know, is that something that's being discussed on your side on the PGA? A lot of, um, a lot of state opens have been canceled. Mass open, I, I believe, is canceled. Either mass open or mass amateur, but I believe the mass open. Uh, a lot of the big tournaments are canceled. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, scrambles are not, or not scrambles, shotgun starts are, are not allowed. But you can, so like Rhode Island just allowed uh, starting this week, and you can have tournaments, but you have to have tee times. You cannot do a shotgun start. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's probably a good idea. Well, I mean, good. You know, it sounds like everyone's taking this seriously. It's one of the few things we can do and probably do pretty safely. So I think we're all very lucky that our obsession is the thing that you can do at a time like this. Yeah. I mean, before we, before we move on for this, I was, I was always kind of curious when golf came back, if it was going to be something people still stayed away from and it was, you know, more dead than usual, or if courses were just going to be packed because everyone's been wait, waiting to do something and golf is a thing that they can do, or people who have already loved golf are just like, finally I can play. I have to play as much as possible now. Yeah. I mean, in Oregon, I think the courses have been doing pretty well. Um, you know, sort of anecdotally, you can drive by a lot of public golf courses just driving around the city and they seem packed. Uh, our young Isaac that we played with yesterday lives near a public golf course in Portland and he says he doesn't even go to it because it's so crowded. It's like not even fun to be there. Yeah. So I think you can get some good twilight times. I think the old folks are still out there doing their thing during the day, during the week. Um, it just, it just kills me, man. When I see like a group of six people, like all standing right next to each other, it's like, guys, Come on, come on, just get your shit together. Joel, Joel Damon on the PGA Tour shot 58 at a course, and he posted a picture of his group, six guys, all arm in arm in his scorecard. And it's like, okay, dude, I don't care if you're living with all these people, which I'm sure you're not. Like, you are so tone deaf to post this. I'm playing golf with, with a six-some. We're, we're all touching each other, and we're posting a photo of it online in the middle of this pandemic. Like, I mean... Even shooting a 58, that should be the second thing you mentioned about that picture. All right, Nick, that's enough fun COVID talk for now. Why don't we move on to Would You Rather? So for folks that are not familiar, it's a complicated premise, so stick with me. We will give you two statements, and you'd have to pick the one you would rather do. So I have three. Nick has three. We're going to ping pong. Nick, you said you had a list of eight that you whittled down to three. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is my my process. Is I just write down everything, no filters. You know, whether it's good, bad, terrible, it doesn't matter. I just put everything down, and then I step away. Then I come back to the list, and I say, okay, what's good out of here? You know, what do I like? So uh, that's what I did. So I got I got five bad ones that you'll never see or hear, and I got three that I hopefully are okay. You know me so well. That was the next thing I was going to ask you was give me the rejects. <laughs> do you want the worst one that I got? Yeah, give me the worst one. Um, okay. Just pouring over the list right now. I know. I really am trying to find the worst one. Would you rather shoot 75-91 over two rounds or 83 both days? That's the worst one I got. <laughs> I don't think that's that bad. Yeah, I don't think any of them are, are that terrible. Maybe some, I mean, I'll save some of these for a later episode. The only reason that one's bad is because I think we'd all pick 75-91, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I Fair mean, enough. it's funny. I started reading this list to, to Ashley, and she's just like, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. <laughs> God, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> all right. Well, do you want to lead us off, or should I set the table? Um, I'll lead us off. I got, okay. I got one that I, that I don't think is bad. Great. Joe, would you rather see a professional golfer come along in your lifetime relatively soon and beat every single one of Tiger Woods records and Jack's 18 major record or not. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. Well, I suppose you are conceding that Tiger will not break the 18 major mark, which is why we can say both of those things are true because it'd be Tiger versus a new Tiger as opposed to all the records or the way that it is right now. I suppose I'd like, I'd like to see someone beat it. If someone's good enough to win 20 majors and win 90 tournaments, um, yeah, I want to see what that golfer is like and see what kind of golfer they're like. Presumably, they would hit the ball as far as Dustin Johnson and putt like Jordan Spieth in 2015, and they just have the longevity of Jack and just do that forever. And win a bunch of majors over 20, 25 years. And yeah, I'd be very happy if we had another figure like that. Where do you sit? I say no. No way. Tell um, me. Yeah, I think Tiger, Tiger's the man. I think to for his records to last for more than a generation just would kind of validate how hard they are to achieve and how rare of a player he is, how great, how dominant he really has been throughout his career. You know, if he comes along, you know, he did his thing. If five or 10 years from now, somebody dominates like he did for another 10 or 15 years, then it's just like, okay, you're always waiting for the next. Like everyone's kind of was waiting for the next Jordan. And then you got Kobe and LeBron who, who made their own identities. And I think that you'll have golfers who make their own identity. Um, but I think the one difference is Tiger, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument, but it's, it's it's getting tougher and tougher to make the argument over who's the most dominant golfer of all time is. Um, and so I think to have, for that to really mean something over a long period of time, it's got to last. It's got to spread over a couple of generations. Well, this question brings up an interesting point, and I guess kind of a, a sub thought, but it is very much related to what you're saying. Do you think that the future generation of athletes, so? baseball players, football players, golfers, tennis players, every athletic endeavor. Do you think that the next generation is automatically better than the previous generation because they have more knowledge to grab from and say, this is how this person did it. They're going to train better. Science is going to be better. They're going to be able to make their bodies better. They're going to be able to condition more. And relating that back to golf, the golfers now, you look at when Tiger Woods came out, there wasn't a lot of people winning tournaments at his age. Now, you look at the people that come out, you know, Justin Thomas has won X amount of tournaments before X age, and only Jack and Tiger have done that. You have these youngsters that have played so much junior golf and have so much experience that you got to figure one or two are going to have the ability to take that and have the Tiger-like intensity. But I guess as I say that, the flip of that argument could be because the fields are so much deeper, that then makes it more difficult in an individual sport like golf, where if you have, you know, Jack was basically beating eight guys at the top of their game. Let's say Tiger was beating, you know, 30 to 40 guys who'd have a chance to win a major. Now, 
when the kid who's 12 years old and going to be the best golfer in the world 15 years from now, he might have to beat 60 guys that could win the Masters because so many people are going through the same routine. So I guess an argument could be made that if someone was to come along and be able to have the mental fortitude of a Tiger or a Jack and take on arguably, probably better competition than either of those guys did, then that then would make them the best golfer of all time, which, getting back to my original answer, is what I would want to see happen because the escalation of play and the brilliance that we would see would be a lot higher. Yeah, I I definitely think that athletes in every sport get better with each generation. You know, comparatively, you know, compared to the previous generation. Now, compared to the people they're playing against at that time, you know, they may still be wherever they would fall in the pack as they would have in any other generation. But yeah, I think the games progress, the technology progresses, the, you know, the performance, the, you know, everything they do that revolves around their sport, you know, takes them to that next level. But as you kind of mentioned, it's hard to judge because if everybody's elevating their game, then it's all relative, then you don't really build that separation. So to recap, that was, that was all, all I had on this great, great opener. But to recap, you want the records to stay that are in yeah, place. Validate the records. Jack. Yep. And I want someone to come along and win 25 majors. For sure. That would be fun, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't <laughs> suck. Ten-time Masters champion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this is my first one. Nick, would you rather have VIP passes to five consecutive Sundays for the Masters Invitational Golf Tournament? Or play one round at Augusta National. I, you you got to play a round at Augusta. Absolutely. Absolutely would rather play a round at Augusta. I mean, that is an experience that would be unique to you forever. And five consecutive Masters. I mean, what if, I don't know, what if like you were there and Sergio won? Or like... Matt Kuchar is going to win the Masters. I Matt go to. Who's that? Who's that English guy who won it a couple years Danny ago? Willett. Oh my God! I mean, what if like that was your? Those were within a five-year stretch. Like, what if you saw Bubba win twice, Danny Willett and Sergio, and you're like, you're going into your last Sunday, and you're like, okay, great, Patrick Reed. I, I honestly think those were within a five-year span, and you could have played Augusta. No, you got you got to play. You got to play Augusta. So you do have to play Augusta, but I'm going to make an argument for the other side for the sake well, of Hold on. Before you even get into that, like, yeah. let's think about what could happen if you play Augusta. First of all, yeah, I every, shoot one every, ten. every time, so what? Every time you watch the Masters, you're going to be like, this is where I hit it on that hole. This is where I hit it on that hole. Oh, my caddy told me a really funny joke when I was standing next to that bunker or whatever. You're going to have all these memories from the tournament. Second of all, what if Joe just... What if you a sixteen? Here's the thing. Just what if? Come and on, Joe, this, what, if you, what if you a sixteen? I mentioned this in a previous podcast because we've seen so many aces on sixteen on Sunday at Augusta. I assume if I get a whack at it, there's like a 50-50 chance I'm gonna <laughs> knock it in. You just hit it to the top of the hill. That thing is a ball magnet. That cup, it's gonna exactly. go in. Exactly. So you're right. The answer is play one round at Augusta. I totally agree because it's not only the most famous golf course in the United States. It's also the toughest one to actually play. So for those reasons, it's that. Now, VIP passes for five consecutive Sundays. Let me let me just try to sell you on this for a second. So you mentioned the flip side of it. Oh, what if I get a Danny Willett? What if I get a Matt Kuchar? What if you got the 86 Masters, Nick? What if that was in there? What if you got an all-time legendary Masters? What if five years from now, 54-year-old Phil Mickelson and 48-year-old Tiger Woods are in the last group, and they're six shots clear of everybody. And you have unfettered access with a VIP pass to the golf course. You can go wherever you want, whenever you want, and that is the Masters you get. So you know it's Phil and Tiger for the green jacket. They're by themselves, and they're old men. They're older men, and they're dueling it out there, and they're taking care of business. I I would rather play one round at Augusta, but – what is unique and what makes the Masters so great is it sets up for comebacks and it sets up for legendary golfers still competing in this tournament. 
Everyone talks about Nicholas in 86. In 1998, when Jack was 58, he finished fifth. And he was one shot back on the front nine in this tournament. You can have a crazy run late in your career. And I think those are some of the best Masters memories that we have. Obviously, 86. But I just think you can have so many unpredictable things happen on a Sunday at Augusta that there's an argument to be made that it is better. Because let's say your day at Augusta, it's raining, right? But this look, I, I, this is the day I have to play Augusta. I guess I'm going to play in the rain. And it's just a miserable experience. You don't even make a par. It's fun to walk around and be out there. But let's say you shot 30 strokes over what you think a decent score would be. So I'm a seven handicap. Yeah, I'm a seven now. Let's say that I shoot a 121 and I make like one bogey and the rest are doubles and triples and I just melt down the whole time. I don't think I'm emotionally equipped to sit there and appreciate Ray's Creek knowing I'm 40 <laughs> over. I just don't think I could do yeah. that. You'd be like, oh, Jordan Spieth made a six in this hole. <laughs> and he has so, a jacket. This isn't so bad. Um, so you know what is great about Sundays at the Masters is that not only do they happen at Augusta, but they happen in my living room. Because I have this big TV, Joe, that I bought from Costco, and it's hooked up to the internet, and then I can stream all of the live golf action from my couch. So I can actually watch it without being there. Um, going to live events is nice. I went to the third round of the PGA Championship last year, and my wife and I got really nice seats behind a green on a par three. And it was pretty cool. The sun was shining on us, and we were drinking beer. But then it became really packed, and I had to pee a lot because I was just pounding freaking Bud Light after Bud Light after Bud Light. So I'd sit down for like 20 minutes and I have to go pee again. And the guy would be like, you have 30 minutes to get back because then we'll give your seat up. And I'm like, okay, great. And like the line for another beer and the restroom, which you have to hit both at once, is like pretty long. So you have to be really tactical about it. So I get back and then she's got to go, you know. And so you're just constantly shuffling around and there's huge crowds of people. I don't love crowds of people, Joe. Which is why you being with just three other guys playing Augusta, is the well, it answer. would be seven other guys because we would all have our own caddies. Oh, even in the time of social distancing, Nick, you that could be tough. Carry your own bat. Well, in this hypothetical situation, Joe, I'm taking a rain check my round at Augusta until we can play with caddies because someone's got to read those greens for me and tell me how far to hit it. Oh, see, <laughs> again, my attitude about Augusta is so arrogant because I've seen so much of it on TV. I'm just like, oh, I know exactly where to hit it. Stand back, caddy, who's worked here 30 years. I've been watching this tournament for a while. I know exactly where to hit. This is a little, it's a, it's a little draw around the corner. I'll be fine. You know what I also hate about, uh, I mean, let me rephrase. No, uh, you know what I hate about people who go to Augusta is is they have this air of them who like they they make sure that the first thing you know about them is that they've been to the masters what's what's the sandwich they get like a pimento and cheese sandwich pimento cheese oh my god they'll, they'll be like oh the pimento cheese sandwich is actually overrated or like every time they go to a golf course they wear the masters gear and i get it it's really cool that, to go there but like they make sure that is the very first thing you know about them and that annoys me and i don't want to be that person yeah, they're like an offensive lineman scoring a touchdown. You know, they're going to get their money's worth. They're not <laughs> acting like they've been there before because they haven't been there before. They have no exactly. deform, don't know how to act. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Um, you want to fire off your, your second? Yes, my second one. Who would you rather be partnered with in the AT&T Pro-Am? Patrick Reed or Matt Kuchar? I thought you were going to give me a celebrity to pick from. I was going to get excited. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I get to play with Matt Kuchar or Patrick Reed. You're, you're obviously the celebrity, Joe. You're the host of a podcast. Oh, I see. Yes, okay. So when, when Donnie Pepper comes up and interviews me, it would say <laughs> Joe Simons at the Turn Podcast. Exactly. Fabulous. Okay. Um, well, this is a tough one because it's um, been long documented that I don't care for either of these gentlemen. Oh, boy. Patrick Reed or Matt Kuchar. You know, I'd go with Patrick Reed. Really? I would. Yeah, he's he's a more interesting person. And, you know, Patrick Reed is going to be discussed more than Matt Kuchar. So how much of a trump card could it be if you're trying to, I don't know, if someone's trying to defend Patrick Reed and you're not or someone in your group is not and someone's like, oh, how do you really know Patrick Reed's this way? I can just say, well, 
spent six hours with him on Pebble Beach, and guess what? He sucks. He is the worst. <laughs> He's not nice. He wasn't nice to me at all. We had a terrible time out there. Now, you'd probably have a better time with Kucher because he's better at being a phony than Patrick Reed is. But the only thing he's going to tell me about is filming a Skechers commercial with Billy Andre. Like, that's not very exciting. Give me Patrick Reed. I want to go right into the belly of the beast and, uh, you know, see what it's like. I want to see what Patrick Reed is like up close and personal. I'm taking Matt Kucher. Almost for the same reason, though. Um, Well, kind of the opposite reason, I guess. I want Matt Kucher. Because I want to get like the behind the scenes stuff that other people don't get. So people are like Matt Kuchar, he seems like a really nice guy. I'm like actually, he's a dick. And here's why I know that because I played with golf with him and all these things he didn't think I was picking up on. I was really taking notes. And I'll go write a book now and expose Matt Kuchar for who he really is. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, what if you played with Patrick Reed and like actually really connected with him, and then like he's your bro. And then he's, like, still cheating in golf tournaments. And you're like, God, I'm so torn because, like, this guy's my friend, but but he's a terrible person. I mean, what would it really say about either of us? Like, if you came to me with that story and you were just like, Joe, you're not going to believe this. Uh, I got to play in a pro-am. We had a raffle, and I got to play in the pro-am at the PGA Championship. I doubt there's a pro-am, but let's just say there is. And you, you got to play with him, and you just had the best day ever. Who is all this? the jokes, all Kuchar. the jokes were landing with each other. Like the the rapport is there, and then you come on this podcast and just sing his praises. Like there's certainly that's certainly possible. It could but, happen. But what would that say about you? Is my point. Like there's a long documented history of what kind of guy this is, and if you were the type of person to connect with that kind of person, uh, maybe raise an eyebrow or two. For sure. <laughs> so okay, you say. You got to play the Pro-Am with Cooch. I'm going with Masters champ Patrick Reed. It would, and, and also, I know we're like, we're tongue-in-cheek putting this in like the worst-case scenario, but those guys could be cool. I could, I could go play with Cooch and find out he's, you know, he made one mistake that, you know, maybe was beaten a little bit too much in the media. And, um, you know, he's actually a pretty genuine guy. Well, here's the thing. I think just watching the PGA Tour Pro hit a golf ball and play around a golf, for five hours, like seven feet away would be amazing. It's like, okay, this is a dumb analogy, but it's the one that popped into my head. So I had a college roommate who was insistent that Julia Roberts was not attractive. And we had been drinking and I lost my mind on him (laughs) because I said, if Julia Roberts walked into this room right now, she would be far and away the most beautiful person you've ever seen in your life and probably will be henceforth it's kind of like what we do with golfers right we analyze we nitpick we get so granular that we are now debating if it would be fun like oh it'd be so unfun to play with this pro golfer no obviously to your point it would be amazing to spend time with either of these guys just like julia roberts is a (laughs) totally attractive and beautiful woman she's a hollywood a-lister for god's sakes awesome Okay, so we're halfway home. This one, I think, has an obvious answer on the surface, but I'm curious to get your take. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to have a sip of water. It's hot in Portland, bro. It it was 88 degrees. We set a record yesterday. Oh, it snowed here two days ago. (laughs) America. Okay, (laughs) Nick, would you rather make a hole-in-one by yourself, no witnesses, or... Never make a hole in one in your entire life. Is that? I mean, why would I not want a hole in one? <laughs> what? 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 Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I want a hole in one. So you... and when I get a hole in one, there's about a ninety percent chance it's going to be by myself with no witnesses because that's how I play most of my golf, and I have no problem with that. I've been playing golf this long. I don't have an ace. I don't think anyone's going to – who am I going to tell? My wife and you. I don't think either of you guys are going to think I'm lying about getting a hole-in-one if that's yeah, where your concern is. But it's not – well, that's – I don't think someone would lie about ho- having a hole-in-one. Imagine, imagine being that much of a piece of shit to be like, hey, I got a hole-in-one <sighs> without actually doing it. What no, a terrible yeah. way to be. So I actually thought the obvious answer was the other answer. Wait, to to just, never, never, just never get a hole-in-one? So, okay, 
I'm kind of in this gray area of having a hole in one and not having a hole in one. And it's not so I was at a pitch and putt golf course. The holes are like 70 yards and I knocked one in and I did it in front of Lacey. It was our third date, which is why probably we've been together for six years. <laughs> Who can say for sure? Now, I also done a thing where I was on a par three golf course and we were done with the round. But the first hole is like by like the first tee is by the clubhouse, right? No one's in the first hole. So we all just dropped a ball and decided to hit one. Well, dumbass knocked it in. So that is like kind of two fake hole in ones. At well, once. What you do with that situation is you cancel your plans the rest of the day. You play the rest of the hole, the other eight holes, and then it counts. I guess. I mean, I can't just like. You didn't cancel your plans? I can't just facetiously or like start around that I was not going to play based on the fact that I knocked the first shot in. The intent. Absolute, you absolutely can. You the actually, intent, actually, you can. I can, but the intent of that shot, I didn't have the I'm playing a round of golf. I had the I'm just going to goof around right now. And I knocked the ball in the hole. My estimation, it doesn't count. And my point with telling both of those stories is it is almost worse that I have this half hole-in-one story because when it comes up, hey, we make a hole-in-one, I have to go, eh, not really. Oh, not really? Explain. And then I have to explain myself, and it's dumb because it's like some people say, well, that's a hole-in-one, and some people say that's absolutely not a hole-in-one. And then we got to get into this whole thing. I'd rather just have never done it at all than have to explain myself in this very specific way. Yeah, but if you're out playing around a golf by yourself, like if I go tomorrow after work and I'm playing this course, I'm the only person out there once again, and I ace a hole, I'm not someone I'm never gonna be like, I kind of have a hole in one. I understand that you have to tell people that you made a hole in one, but in your mind, okay. Here's Does it a not great count example. if you're alone? Well, here's well, no, no, no. witnesses. I would argue that it doesn't because and, – and here's the example I'll give you. So when we play together, I have my best round of my life by like three shots, right? I shot 67 with you. Yeah. And if I had done that round by myself, it wouldn't feel as real than if I did it with you. Because to exp- – I for some context, I've only broken par three or four times. So it's not like I'm typically shooting in the 60s. I've done that twice <laughs> in my life. One time was with Nick, but it was such a insane round and so far beyond what I was used to. On the like, I think I rolled it a forty footer for eagle. I made like eight birdies. Like it was a yeah. stupid round. I, I'm just gonna pause you right there. On the thirteenth hole, you looked up at me. You had this long eagle putt. You were about to stroke it, and you just stopped and you go, Nick, this is an eagle putt. Take it to seven under, <laughs> and then you just knocked it in. And I'm like, oh my god, what is going on here? Yeah, and that was it was such an eerie day because the golf course was empty. Well, because I think it was August, for God's sake, so no one was on the golf course. Um, but anyway, the point being that if I had done that by myself and no one was there, it would feel real. But And you just kind of proved my point. I don't remember doing that, but you being able to recount that part of the story makes it more fun with me. And I think for a hole-in-one, it would work the same way. If you did it by yourself, it wouldn't mean as much as if you and Ash were out there kind of playing an unassuming round and you or Ash knocked it in and you got to see the other person do that. I think it means more. Definitely. It would be more fun. I mean, to have other people around and get the high fives, you know, and buy people drinks and be like, you know, everyone's paying you attention because you just got an ace. Sure. Of course that would be the ideal scenario, but I would never for a second, not count it or not validate it. If it happened by myself, I'd just be like, you know, I would just, it would just be my story that people would, you know, nobody witnessed, but I mean, it's an honorable game and, you know, you, you play by the rules and you take what happens and I don't know, I would never think twice about it. Well, it's funny. Cause I was actually, uh, we're recording this on mother's day. I was talking with my folks and I told him we were going to have this question. And my folks are big golfers. And my dad said, you know, he's had one hole in one for real. And he said when he was on a vacation with my mom, like 45 years, 45, 35 years ago. And he was playing in Bermuda by himself. He knocked one in the hole, and he does not consider the hole-in-one because he was playing by himself. And I kind of said that was a little bit It's awarded right on the scorecard, too. <laughs> no, he definitely 
wrote a one. <laughs> so well, but, but I just don't understand. Because the man is in his late 60s and he doesn't know any better, okay? I don't disagree with either of you. I think you're both technically right, and I think you're also both wrong. Okay. Okay, yeah. so to be clear, Nick wants to make a hole-in-one under any circumstance. I'm kind of in the middle, I'm but I'm also going to say, if I make a hole-in-one on a goofy shot where I'm messing around, like, like for example, like in your scenario, the one of the par threes in this nine-hole course I play is right off the parking lot. So there's the clubhouse. You play one and two, and then three is also the parking lot. So like if it's jammed up, they'll just send you off three. If I was ever walking off the course and just dropped a ball on three just to like let out some frustration and hold it, you better believe I'm calling my wife. I'm saying I'm not going to be home for dinner. I'm going to go play the other eight holes. I'm going to validate that round. I'm going to make it count, and I'm going to say I have a hole in one. And I have no shame in that. That's fine. And I suppose I understand that. But I was it was one of those situations where this is do you do you play poker? I'm gonna do a poker analogy. No, but I, I when I was in college I was on party poker a little bit in my dorm, so I'm 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 totally familiar. So when you're in Vegas, they typically do a thing where if you have a pair of aces in Texas Hold'em and you lose with that hand, they give you a certain amount of money because it's like, oh, this guy had aces and he still lost. Here's like this pot we have. You get like five hundred bucks or whatever. I lost, I sat down, I lost my first thing with aces. I just said, fuck this. And I got up and I left the table because I wasn't even thinking. I was so incensed. I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> what I should do. That was probably what happened to me on that shot. I was so disgusted that I knocked it in in like a fake situation. I didn't look at the greater good and say, oh, wow, if I just play more holes, this actually counts as a hole in one. I just was yeah. pissed and I walked away. <laughs> Did you get the ball? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I threw it in the bushes or something. <laughs> so you, you walked down the hole, pulled that out of the cup, and then just threw it away. Mm-hmm. Nice. I was done. Okay, Nick, your third and final would you rather. All right, Joe. You're on a par five. You hit a good drive. You're 225 out. Would you rather hit it to eight feet and three putt for par or chunk it 125 up the fairway, blade your wedge over the green, and roll in perhaps a lucky 35-foot par putt? It's always better to be surprised with a good score on a quote-unquote bad hole than be surprised with a bad score on a quote-unquote good hole. Like, if you're striking the ball well and you're hitting it to eight feet, the thoughts of, okay, if I, if I make an eagle here, I'm going to get myself back to par. I only got four holes left. We can break par, baby. And then if you <laughs> re-putt that, you're just like, I want to quit this round. Like, maybe I should take up tennis again. I don't really want to do this anymore. But if you're in that same situation and it feels like you're falling apart and you scrap a par, making a long putt, pretty much no matter what it's for, gives you a certain lift. And three-putting is, I'd argue, the most deflating thing in golf, um, yeah, I'd way rather knock in the long putt for par there. <laughs> exact opposite. So you've hit a good drive, okay? And I, this, this speaks to our strengths of our games. I, I have been a terrible ball striker my entire life. I just, I'm just not that coordinated. So if I hit a good shot, the last thing I want to do is waste it. If I hit two good shots in a row, I'm on a par five. I'm eight feet from the cup. Ooh, that feels good. Two, flush two in a row. That's the feeling that keeps me coming back. If I basically hit four bad shots in a row, and now I just get lucky with some like putt from the fringe, like across the entire green that happens to go in, am I going to feel like now I'm all of a sudden I'm I'm going to be successful the rest of the round? Like no, I just I just hit a bunch of bad shots, and then you know happened to roll in that putt. Now I got to go play the rest of the course. No, I can't. I can't explain how differently I feel than you other than to say some of my best ball striking rounds have happened on some of my worst putting rounds. And I have felt terrible about those rounds. I, I had one last summer where I'm pretty sure I hit 15 greens and I shot 86 and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do that wow. math at home. I am doing that math. It's awful. And I had no fun, even though I was hitting most fairways and, I basically put like every approach shot to at least 30 feet and then just have absolutely no chance to get the ball close. Um, conversely, I've had rounds where my swing feels awful and I've scrapped out a 79 and those are fantastic. I'd rather have a terrible ball striking round 
with a 79, then I'd have a great ball striking round with a 79 because the putting is what it's coming down to. With a bad ball striking round, I had few putts. With a good ball striking round, I had a ton. And to me, even though it's not sexy, the measure of a good golfer is putting. If someone has 27 putts or less, they had a good round in my estimation, regardless of the ball striking. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I've I've been just such a bad ball striker for so long. I've never had a, a, a good ball striking round in a poor putting round. I've had like days where I'm hitting it better than I'm used to. <laughs> but <laughs> usually if I'm going to shoot a good score, it's because I'm I'm keeping it in place by the stroke of God. And like my short game is not pathetic. Yeah, that's it's tough because it definitely does lend two different mindsets and what you're accustomed to doing on the golf course. Like I'm very accustomed to three putting <laughs> just yeah, I'm grabbing bogey from the jaws of birdie is something <laughs> I'm very accustomed to. Um, Nick, I've got one more if you're ready. All right, let's do it. Okay. This one I'm excited about, and it's not really about golf, but it involves a golfer. This is about a dinner companion and perhaps what that dinner could lead to the rest of the evening. Would you rather have dinner with Tiger Woods in the year 2002 in Las Vegas? Or would you rather have dinner with Babe Ruth in 1927 in Manhattan? I mean, it's Tiger Woods in Vegas. I mean, in 02, are we going back to like my current self or my 18-year-old self in 2002? Either way. <laughs> Pick any Nick you want. I mean, pro yeah. you you would honestly probably want the eighteen year old Nick Heidelberger yeah. at that situation. Yeah. I'll I'll take um, just graduated from college Nick Heidelberger, <laughs> drop him into two thousand two Las Vegas dinner with Tiger Woods. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. You wouldn't even consider Babe Ruth. I'm going on the other side. I think it's Babe Ruth. I mean, to be treated like he was in New York, nineteen twenty seven is like the peak of those Yankees with him. And Gehrig, I just think the uniqueness of like the first larger than life sports figure in the greatest part of the greatest city in the world that he is like literally in charge of. Think of the things you would see that night with Babe Ruth. I get it. You know, Tiger, you're in Vegas, all kinds of stuff. But you can do that with Jordan. You can do that with Barkley. You could do that with Rodman. There's other people out there that you could have that kind of night with. I think the experience of being at that time in the world when there's much less people, much less access. I can't even think of a fake thing in my head that you would be able to do with Babe Ruth in 1927. <laughs> I just think you have unlimited access to anything you want in a way that you probably have with Tiger. But the uniqueness and the singularity of Babe Ruth at that time in the world, I think, makes it a more unique and enriching experience. Well, the thing with Tiger is I'm assuming that if I'm having dinner with him in 2002 in Las Vegas, then maybe I'm on the inner circle and I can learn things that nobody else would ever, you know, he has such a facade, which is perfectly understandable, but to be able to get the behind the scenes real Tiger for a night would be pretty awesome. Does Tiger know who killed Kennedy? Do you think Tiger has that kind of level of information? <laughs> Probably. He probably does, right? That don't I mean, in itself. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to recap my would-you-rathers. So the first one was, what do you want to do with the Masters? Do you want to go for five consecutive Sundays or play? Nick and I both agree that we'd rather play at Augusta. Do you want to make a hole-in-one by yourself or never have a hole-in-one? We were in violent disagreement on this one. Nick wants to make a hole-in-one every single time he's out by himself. I'd rather never have a hole-in-one. And would you rather have dinner with Joe, Tiger Woods in 02? Oh, please. Have you ever been playing golf by yourself? I don't think you probably play golf by yourself very often. But stand on a par three by yourself and be like, uh, better, uh, better definitely not make this. I definitely – the thought <laughs> occurs to me. The thought definitely occurs to me. If I was to make it, what would happen? The ultimate oh. version of that was I was playing at this really nice resort down in um, Bend. And – we thought I made a hole-in-one because it was the kind of hole where you put it up on a hill and it rolls back, and we couldn't see it from the tee. And I'm telling you, the bar bill that I would have had, I think we've discussed this, but the bar <laughs> bill I would have had would have been like $600. And I actually was glad that I did not make it in the hole. <laughs> I know, I know. It's That's a lifetime terrible. story, but I'm glad I didn't make it in the hole. 
The last would you rather was dinner with Tiger or dinner with the babe. Nick picked Tiger in 02. I picked Babe Ruth in Manhattan. Yeah. Oh, 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 since you recaptured it so nicely, and I'm going to go back through mine. I got to remember what you just said. I didn't know you were going to do it. this. I would have taken notes. Thanks a you lot. Got it. Ah, would you rather have somebody beat all Tiger Woods records, every golf record ever made? I say no. You say yes. yes. I want Tiger's records to provide some historical context. Would you rather play with uh, Patrick Reed or Matt Kuchar at the AT&T Pro-Am? I want to play with Kuchar, find out if he's really phony or get some behind-the-scenes dirt. You want to play with Patrick Reed and, and win at all costs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I would you rather make, make par on a, on a par five, either three putt from eight feet or have a chunk, have a, have a blade, and uh, then roll on a long lucky putt. There you go. <laughs> I got That's- the uh, – I'd rather, I'd rather three putt from eight feet. You'd rather uh, have one of everything. Give me that. Give me that long putt. Yeah, it always feels good. Well, that'll do it. Uh, next time, Nick and I are probably going to talk is a couple weeks from now. Nick, there is a big match. Four middle-aged men are going to play golf in Florida. Yes. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Who are you, who are you pulling for in that? I mean, honestly, whoever is not on Tom Brady's team, I think he's going to be so boring out there. Yeah, it's t- Tiger and Peyton are together, so perfect. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. I think I I, I hope Phil gives Tom Brady shit if he's not like because none of the holes are going to be alternate shots. So I'm really hoping one of the quarterbacks messes up a crucial moment and Tiger and Phil are put into position to like yell at all time football <laughs> rates. So, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So that'll be in a couple weeks. We'll come back for that. And uh, by then, Nick, it's almost going to be June. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm going to play as much golf as possible before then. See if I can get my handicap down a little bit. And uh, this we've got the new world handicap system that I'm finally going to experience for the first time. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited for that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll touch on that if, if it seems to be relevant. The, yeah, course, I, the course I'm at, yeah. so it's a nine-hole course. And whoever put it into the USJ system put the last hole, which is a par five in. They put it in as a par zero. And so I think that's messing with the slope and rating a little bit here and there. So uh, I got to find a workaround for that. Yeah, you got to call somebody about that. I know. I just that's don't want to be good. that. I'm waiting for somebody else to do it because I don't want to be that guy, especially. But I'm, every time I play there, I'm the only person playing there. So I don't think yeah. anybody, anybody else knows. <laughs> well, uh, the World Handicap System has not been kind to me. I uh, started as a, I think it was a 4-9 to start of 2020. And I have to, I haven't done it yet. I got to hang an 88 on the board from yesterday. So I wish the corner club open was this year because I'd be coming in at about an eight or a nine. And oh, I think we do well. Yeah, probably. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of At the Turn. Like we said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Be safe. Be healthy. Wash your damn hands. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at the turn. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.